Welcome to the Explaining Extraordinary podcast, where we interview next-level game changers who are bringing you the secrets, strategies, and stories of how they transcended average to be extraordinary. Now here's your host, Dr. Chris Lee. What is going on, guys? I am super excited for this show. So full transparency, as Lexi and I are recording this show, there is a tropical storm going on outside. So the audio sometimes is going to come in and out. I do apologize. Um, But Mother Nature has decided to drop some rain on us in beautiful South Carolina. I know you guys are still going to love this episode. Um, So let's get into it with Lexi Faith. Welcome to another episode of the Explaining Extraordinary podcast. I am your host, Dr. Chris Lee, and with me today is Miss Lexi Faith, who honestly I met just totally out of the blue. Um, ended up connecting with Lexi uh, just on like a post that she had shared on social media that like really just connected with me. Um, and then we ended up having like a really quick conversation about life and like her journey in this like weird messed up world that we're living in and how she has like through her story helped others kind of like find themselves but really just find herself like it it was so beautiful that I figured that a lot of you guys would just find what she has to say and how she says it extraordinarily empowering Lexi welcome to the show Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for that intro. Absolutely. I'm super excited to have you on here. So without kind of spilling the cookies here, like kind of tell everybody a little bit about where you are today. Um, and then we'll start to paint the picture of where you were and how you got to where you are now. Sure. Where I am today, I'm currently in New York City, um, <laughs> physically. I, in my life, in my career, my career path has taken like so many twists and turns from this whole personal journey I've been on, which has been a journey of like allowing and surrendering to that as well. But I'm currently, I work as a writer. Um, I'm an artist. I commission artwork. In the past, I was an actor and a model. I still do some work like that. Um, not focusing on it right now. And I teach yoga and meditation and Kriya yoga particularly, which is like a part of the tantric path, like from traditional tantra um, in the Himalayas. And I coach people using teachings from meditation, from yoga, um, from tantra, and from the expressive arts. And I use these tools as a way of helping people heal and and grow in their own personal development. Beautiful. I love it. And um, if there's like a, a spectrum of like where people are at, you know, we're, we're supposed to be like these balanced people, but let's be honest, that doesn't, doesn't live an exciting life. You have kind of like gone down um, this very beautiful uh, spiritual pathway and you went there in like a really interesting way. Can you kind of like paint the picture, like kind of tell us some of your backstory that's kind of taking you down, you know, the road of yoga, meditation, and like doing this inner work? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I became aware of spirituality because my dad, um, he always had books around, like all sorts of things in our house. And he really um, raised me with the teachings of Buddhism as part of a Buddhist community. And um, 
And so the teachings, like the intellect, a lot of the intellectual stuff, I just, that was really always how I thought. When I look back at journals from when I was like a teenager, that was, I was talking about my inner child. I was talking about all these things. But uh, a lot of teenagers, I guess, weren't. Um, And I actually started acting and modeling when I was 14. I fell in love with it. And I was in art school for, for fine arts. But totally fell in love with performing and so I was in conservatories for acting around New York City and in the process of learning theater and how to be a better actor I started intuitively connecting the dots between quantum physics and I shit you know I have no idea how I knew about this at 15 but I did. And so I started connecting the dots of like things that Einstein would say around like okay energy can't be trans it can't be like can't get rid of energy right i'm paraphrasing but it can be transmuted it can't be destroyed but it can be transmuted or transformed that's it and i started really internalizing sayings like this and studying different philosophers and um started and i was training kung fu with like my dad's buddhist community and that plus theater and art i was in the beginning stages of like, you know, becoming who I like becoming a person in the world. It's just like how I would think of it. But deeper than that, I started seeing how through performance art, the connection of the breath and the mind, which is like in acting a lot of the exercises we do are visualizing or visualization meditations. It's essentially what it is. And it's getting into the body. It's getting into the breath to be grounded so that you can be grounded on stage. And in this process, I started really learning how to move energy through my body. I started learning how what I said and what I thought created a world around me. And I started using that to my advantage and like getting roles and like getting things I wanted and getting a lot of things I didn't want. And um, at 16, that uh, inadvertently brought me to a Kundalini awakening, which I was shitting my pants because I didn't know how to deal with the shadow aspect of it. I didn't, I just knew like my body was vibrating and all these things were happening, but I, all the darkness that was coming up, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't have anyone to turn to. And um, I actually like people, the person that I had to turn to the most was the person who actually betrayed me. And so I was really alone and I went into I know I was already kind of like experimenting with drugs and alcohol, but I went a lot deeper into it. And for like several years, kind of like lost touch with myself, kind of was who I remembered who I used to be before that happened when I was like really happy and just in this state of like acceptance of reality and of, of, you know, the present moment and in a state of flow. And I just would try to re-emulate that person. But I didn't even realize that internally I was like so disconnected to myself and, you know, started partying a lot and drinking a lot and just really lost touch with, um, with who I really am. And so when I was 22, I graduated university and I started to travel and I went on around the world backpacking trip and I started to wake up towards the end of it. I was in Asia and I did Vipassana and I quit drinking and, um, you know, a year before that, I quit doing drugs, and um, slowly things just started to shift, and all of these sort of psychic phenomena started coming back, and it was really cool and really fun, um, and then I went to India to study yoga, lived in an ashram, and 
that was like a dream of mine. So I just, but it was hard. all the shit that came up. I was like, whoa. And so then I spent a year in India studying yoga and meditation and doing meditation retreats and yoga retreats and just teaching and going deep into that path. And um, then I came back to the States for some weddings. And then I went down to South America and started working on the medicine path and opening up to what medicine, you know, plant medicines had to teach me. And um, then I went back to New York and felt like, okay, I know how to work. I know how to use my mind. I know how to use my energy. I'm going to use this to continue the career that I had started with, which was acting and modeling. And I, you know, got a lot of work. I got SAG. I got agents interested in me. Like I got everything, but inside I was like, this isn't sustainable. And this is, I'm doing everything I want to do. I'm teaching, I'm hosting workshops. I'm, acting and making art and I was burnt out and broke and my heart was like screaming at me to go back to India and so I went and then and then it all started and then um yeah I went to India for another teacher training and I I mean my body started shaking I started getting visions I my body would go into pranayama like I would like involuntarily um getting like mess I call them messages but I guess it's like a lot of people would call it downloads or intuitions or insights but I was just realizing a lot and I was like having a hard time with it actually a really hard time with it and that process led me to another teacher who taught me kriya yoga and I really felt the like I felt people really living yoga and people really on the spiritual path and I mean, I was still shaking, like, for months. Actually, for over a year, I think. I couldn't stop shaking involuntarily. Um, and even now, it still happens, but only when I'm deep in practice and my relationship with it is very different. Um, but it took, like, you know, I went to three departments. I went to ten Vipassana meditation retreats, but I went to three in, like, a course of six months because it was helping me kind of, like, stabilize this energy and... I was just doing whatever I could to try to stabilize the energy. I mean, I spent five months screaming involuntarily, like, you know, all sorts of stuff that when it was happening, my mind was like freaking out about it. Cause I just like did not understand. And there was so much, um, now when these things happen, they still do happen sometimes, usually when I'm deep in practice, but, um, my, I understand it that this energy is like a, it's a healing energy. It's a cleansing energy. And so she's just removing anything that isn't serving. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like she's still with me all the time, but it's, and I say she, when I speak about like Kundalini energy, um, because it's like a Shakti, it's a feminine energy in yoga. But yeah, it's, um, it's been a process of grounding and stabilizing and incorporating certain things into my lifestyle and, and um, really needing to, and, you know, and in that process, I mean, trauma that was unprocessed came up. Like, I had really bad PTSD for a long time that I was healing from, you know, depression and even, like, suicidal ideation, like, real confusion around, like, what reality was and what it wasn't. Um, just so many things were coming up that I knew any Western psychologist would sort of put into some kind of label. And I knew that these things were temporary. Like, I knew they weren't me. It was just sort of, like, part of this experience with the energy moving through me. So I was like, okay, like, you know, I actually ended up 
living and staying in Asia for several years, working with healers and teachers there because I knew that they could understand this um, in a way that I, I didn't trust Western, you know, medicine. I don't know if medicine is the right word. I didn't trust Western psychology to really have the, um, the understanding or the wisdom of this. Um, so I'm very lucky and blessed in that sense, but I also made that choice and gave up other things in my life at that time to be able to be with teachers and healers who did understand what was happening so that I could heal. Um, and now it's, I mean, I'm always healing. It's like always, there's always so much, there's always new things that arise, but um, now I'm in a place where I'm like offering the things that have served me to other people with intuitive healing sessions that, you know, because these visions kind of became like psychic phenomena and it really helps people because they can go into their subconscious and help them see themselves, help them see their blind spots. Um, and, you know, teaching them Kriya and teaching them meditation, teaching them how to use the arts like dance and music and theater um, as a way to build community and build connection and, and heal from, from anything really. But for me in particular, it's, it's from the Kundalini awakening. Right. Oh my gosh. There's, there's so much that we have to go into, but we have to do some uh, housekeeping first before we get into that. So um, I know a lot of folks, myself included, don't quite have like such an extensive vocabulary and some of the things that you're describing um, that are like very Eastern. Um, so if you can kind of like help us define some of these things so people can kind of get uh, like a better understanding of it. So you talked about pranayama, the kundalini energy and the kriya and things like that. Um, would you mm-hmm. mind kind of filling in the blanks for some of us that may be a little more Westernized in this um, to kind of help us like bridge that gap? Totally. Yeah. Let me translate. Um, so pranayama means it's a breathing technique in yoga. Um, so when we, essentially the kundalini awakening is that in yoga, I don't even want to say it's a philosophy because it's very much real. I can tell you from experience, but, and I can tell you that I spent months not even labeling it that. I actually didn't even want to call it anything. I didn't want to create any idea or any ego around like what was happening to me. I just, I really just wanted it to stop, to be honest with you, but um, that I needed to master it. There was, there was, you know, the only way out was in. Um, but a Kundalini awakening is essentially when you reach a certain, when you maintain a certain level of silence within yourself, like within your mind, and you maintain that silence and that flow in your life, and you really are in tune with your intuition and like you're following that. Um, I suppose make certain choices to be on a spiritual path, to be on a path of, I mean, I know for me, like my choice was like, I had several healers tell me that I needed to open my heart. And and you on the inside, I was like, I have such a huge heart. But on the outside, people who could see, you could see through it. And so I was like, okay. And so I went to go work with medicine. So I was like, I want to open my heart. But I didn't know that when you open your heart, you have to feel all the things you didn't want to feel before. That's right. Um, <laughs> Good so the Kundalini, Yeah, right. the Kundalini awakening is like, um, essentially there's like this bundle of energy at the base of your spine. And when you maintain a certain like length of silence in your life, not just in meditation, but in your daily life, 
and you're really following your soul's path, like you're like following your intuition, like, you know, that gut feeling, um, you keep following that. I guess there's just a point where it opens <laughs> in my experience. Um, I think it is different for most people, but I will say that I do hear quite a few people in like personal development worlds would say they're like, I'm awake because they may be like, I'm happy, which is great. You know, like love happy people. Um, also, okay, if you're not happy, but there is a difference. Um, there is something that happens. Like it's a lot of energy that moves through you. My body was shaking uncontrollably. I couldn't sit still and have a conversation with anyone. Um, I couldn't really function. I was crying every single day um, for no reason. Like nothing happened. I was just crying every day. Right. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when this type of like energy starts to go through, um, as somebody that's like, I don't know, more westernized or I don't even know, more objective in this type of thing. Yeah. Um, I love looking at it. It's, it's the most like fascinating thing, but like, it's such a physiological, like this is happening in your cells. And when you're saying like, you can feel it vibrate guys, like what's really going on is like the spine and the brain and all of these different like organs are all like creating some form of tension in the system. And Lexi, correct me if I'm wrong, but from like the research and the folks that I've talked to and like, you know, people down their spiritual path, the brain starts to produce like DMT, like dimethyltryptamine. Like that's a mm -hmm. very strong psychedelic that we naturally produce at birth and at death, but also can produce and typically do produce inside of like this Kundalini awakening. So you're mm -hmm. without, you know, I don't want to like say this, but like without like putting labels on it, but like, you're basically going to trip balls on universal energy for like a while. That's exactly what happened. That when I describe it to people, I tell them like, I mean, I was like, you know, I was tripping for about six to eight months. Um, and for anyone you know, that thinks like, oh, that sounds like awesome. No, <laughs> for me, it wasn't. For a lot of people, they do really like it. Um, I, you know, I speak to a lot of people in their awakening and they, and it feels like orgasmic and they're like, this is amazing. And that is there too. Like it is orgasmic. Like it is amazing. Um, and for me personally, um, I had a lot of unprocessed trauma that was like pretty, I mean, like pretty severe. And I couldn't, like, I didn't even realize I had trauma. Like I was so you know, denying this, these certain things that had happened to me growing up. And so for me, this experience of tripping, it's there to help us. It's there to help us heal. It's there to show us ourselves. It's there to help us understand. And it's a, it's a healing process. But if we fight it, we make it a lot worse. And that's exactly what I did. I fought it. And because I was so scared of it, because it was so dark and it lasted so long. And I mean, truthfully, darkness is with us always. So is the light. You know, we have both. And the path of balance is all in the space for both. But, you know, I just was, I was somebody who was like positive, good vibes only, like sunshine and rainbows. And so there was just, I didn't, I didn't have the wherewithal to even want to hold space for tripping for six to eight months. Plus the fact that like, you know, one of the first pieces of instruction my intuition had given me was to get sober. And so all of a sudden, over the first time in 10 years, I was completely sober, and I was tripping without taking anything, and I couldn't get it off. Like, I couldn't turn it off. And so I felt very, like, a victim to this thing that is actually, 
you know, supposedly they do amazing, like a lot of people have amazing experiences with it, um, depending on their own healing process and how much of themselves and their journey they'd integrated. Um, I was quite young. So like it started when I was 16, I turned it off and then it opened again at 24. Um, a lot of people experience it a bit later, usually around their Saturn return at 28 and Saturn returns to the same place when they were born. And a lot of people experience like a reawakening at that point um, or at later periods in their life when they find spirituality. But because I've been exposed to spirituality at such a young age, I, um, I think I just was like, attuned and open to this type of thing in an in age where like I hadn't even like been through certain experiences like I was still a kid in a lot of ways I didn't like been through certain experiences that would like help me grow into being an adult right you know it gets intense really fast and uh man so you're talking a lot about you know like the shadow and like the darkness of some of this um for some people that like might be like just putting like their toes in the water with spirituality and like starting to heal some of those traumas, what would you recommend or how would you kind of help facilitate people down that pathway? Because like you talked about, like when this started to come up and it started to be expressed, like those things don't just go away. They're stored in the system somewhere. So they need to be dealt with. But um, is there a way that you'd recommend to kind of go down that path or how, how do you go down that? Yeah, totally. I go down it through a lot of ways and through what I teach. I mean, meditation is like non-negotiable. Like you, yeah. have to, you have to meditate. And usually, not always, some people have these types of experiences after like a near-death experience and they can awaken Kundalini. Like, you know, it doesn't always come from being on a spiritual path, which can be even more disalarming because then you're like, you know, I'm aware of this stuff. Um, but I would say that like meditation, usually people find it to meditation. So meditation is like non-negotiable. Even when you don't want to do it, it's like you have to. And then what's worked for me is practicing Kriyas, which are like, if anyone's familiar with Kundalini yoga, Kriya yoga is quite similar. It's from... Um, the lineage I've studied is under Ananda Moimara, which is who's like an incredible saint and sage from India. Her disciple is my teacher's teacher, so it's like from her lineage. Um, similar to like autobiography of a yogi, like Steve Jobs, so many people have mentioned this book because um, Paramahansa Yogananda is like he brought Kriya Yoga to the West in like the 1920s. And so essentially, what a Kriya is, it's a living meditation. And it's used to actually awaken the Kundalini because it's done in community and it's done with a teacher who can hold that space for you. Um, if you have awake, awoken it without a teacher, without having that space like I did, um, you know, it's a bit more of an adventure, but you always find the teachers you need. And so like practicing Kriyas, which includes mantra, breath work, and repetitive movements. And it's really about like staying with the practice regardless of the experiences that come up. Like I would scream or I would shake or I would cry or I would laugh like ecstasy laugh like really like a lot of roller coaster of emotions that would kind of be processing through my system but I would have to like you know you stay with the Kriya because when we stay focused on something in the present moment which is the practice um, we allow this energy to heal and move whatever needs to move um, when we get stuck in the process of the screaming or the laughing or whatever, and start judging it, it's like we're already making more suffering for ourselves. Um, 
and but that took me several years to actually embody and learn. <laughs> Don't think it takes that long for it doesn't have to take that long for anyone, but I'm stubborn and I'm rebellious and so it took me a little bit of time. And um as well art, like for me, like I've always been an artist and you know, painting, drawing, dancing. For me in particular, lately it's been dance. Like that's what's really been calling me. Um, it's something that I'd always wanted to do. It's just like, I was always too shy to like ask my parents as a kid. And so, which is funny, but, um, so music, singing, like I started playing guitar again, theater, um, in particular, any type of art I think that is done in community, um, because some of these other practices are quite personal, quite intimate. Um, I think any type of, you know, if you're in a choir or in a band or in a theater group or, Taking um, a dance class, like when you're in unison with others, it helps that rhythm and that community helps to like re-regulate the system through a creative act. Because my philosophy, which is very much in these ancient texts, that I like to express with people, is that like community energy is the same thing, it's a powerful healing force, and it's the same thing as our creative energy. And it's the same thing as our sexual energy. It's the same thing that, like, what attracts us to other people or other things in our life. You know, that attraction, when done in a healed person, um, is our intuition. Mm. And so that's really, like, the basis of what I teach. But that is also, like, you know, what has been taught in the Vedas and in a lot of the, the, these are the Indian texts of philosophy. Um, and this is how I've interpreted it in, through my own experience and through, through what I've seen about you. So that's what I would recommend to people. And as well, like, finding support. Like, it's really hard to handle that without a teacher. I tried because I was a rebellious and stubborn. Um, but I also had teachers come along the way and therapists and life coaches and um, friends who are on the path and, you know, on the spiritual path, people who can hold space. Um, when I say hold space, I mean hold space for the full range of human emotion who aren't reacting from their own unprocessed trauma. And, um, yeah, like that kind of support plus for me what helped was, you know, staying in countries that I felt safe. I felt safe in India and Bali, which is where I was living, uh, because I knew that the local the local people understood this part of their culture. Like they understand this, this is why they have the rituals, this is why they have their their ceremonies and their pujas, which is like an offering of gratitude. Like this is why they live the way they do, is because they understand elements of life that I think in the West we've become very disconnected to. And um and so I chose to stay there. But you don't have to. I think as long as you have the teachers and support system that does understand, like, you will definitely, you know, you will heal and you will awaken and you will find your your own trauma to live through. That's a really good point that you bring up. And I, I'm the same way. That's, like, um, I'm way too stubborn or I don't even know if, like, the word, like, proud is something that would apply here that, like, no, I don't need your gosh darn stinking help with this. I'm just going to go cry myself to sleep every night. I'll be fine type of thing. Like, guys, like, mm-hmm reach out for help with this kind of thing. Like it, it makes you so much stronger down the road to be weak now and to pull up those blind spots that you don't even know you have until somebody else can like 
help facilitate some healing through that. <laughs> we are tribal people trying to live in like singular lives. Like those two things just don't mesh well. Like we need community, we need support and we need like creative outlets. I know for myself, somebody that's like super masculine and super linear and objective and all those things. If I don't have like a creative outlet, I'll implode. I'll just absolutely go crazy, which is another thing that I want you to riff on um, for a little bit is like a lot of like the words that are getting thrown around in spirituality and personal development right now that I'm seeing is like the masculine and feminine. Can you give us your perspective on like what the heck that is? Because I know a lot of people are like, what do you mean masculine and feminine? Like boy, girl? Like, I don't understand. Like, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, totally. So um, I can speak to it from perspectives of like many different cultures, you know, the Mayans in India and yoga, like, but I will say, and even like the Chinese, but I will say, I mean, the Chinese have a slightly different system. They think they have it switched to opposite sides of the body, but in most other cultures, the left side of the body is considered feminine and the right side of the body is considered masculine. And this is directly linked to our breath. So we have two nostrils. When, for example, if you close the right nostril and you only breathe to the left and do that for about two minutes, you'll start to notice certain physiological changes. The nervous system calms down. You may be more relaxed, calmer. It's like you're about to go to sleep. Versus if you close the left and just breathe through the right, um, you may notice, like, again, yeah, your nervous system will be calmer because you're focusing on your breath, but it's more like an active, you know, sort of like, kind of smokes weed, it's like the difference between indica and sativa. Indica, I would say, is like feminine, and sativa is like masculine in the sense that like the feminine is like the, the moon energy. It's, um, it's, it's intuitive, it's emotional, it's present, it's grounded, it's calming, it's soft. The masculine is solar, it's active, it's the sun, right? It's like and we all have all of them. So it's not a gender or a sex situation at all. It's, right. it's really more a way of understanding how and who we are. So, and it, and it changes even in our environments. For example, I'm in New York City. This is a very masculine place. Like, you'd work, you'd get shit done. This is the culture. It's, it's a go, go, go. That's a very masculine quality. Um, I was living in Bali a few months ago. It's a very feminine place. It's, everybody is going with the flow. You're following your intuition. You're like, oh, whatever you feel, like you just move how you feel. And I think for most of Western society, it's quite masculine. And most people who, you know, adhere to like, like a nine to five or any kind of lifestyle that is very boundaried, is very somewhat rigid or somewhat like, you know, it's very much about achievement and goals and go, 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 go. You know, a lot of the people burn out. And then they kind of fall into the other side or they go to travel the world and they're very like fluid and following what they feel and, and both are needed, but we don't need to get to a point with one energy that we're invoking like, through our lifestyle where we're active, go, go, go without resting. Right. Yeah. So balance is like, yeah, you can have a nine to five, you can live that, but then like rest on the weekends, you know, maybe go to like a yoga class and do your meditation practice and like be able to check into how you're feeling, you know, being emotionally aware is a feminine quality and um, emotional awareness has a lot to do with one, like, do you know how you are feeling right now? And two, do you know how the people around you are feeling right now? Like being aware of the emotions that other people in the space might be feeling. It's not like a fear of what they're thinking. It's more of an awareness of what they're feeling. And 
as we become more present and more calm and our nervous system calms down, you, you really do develop that, um, that awareness, that intuition to see, to really feel what people do. It's like vibes, you know, like you can feel the vibes, right? It was like good vibes or bad vibes, just something like that. But it's not a judgment if they're bad. It's more like, you know, the feminine quality is really about being able to feel those vibes. Can you actually feel them, not just talk about them. Can you feel them? Can you be quiet and feel it? You brought and up a yeah. point that I want to get into for just a yeah. half sec. Um, and mm-hmm. it's freaking recovering and taking a break from life. I feel like mm-hmm. the masculine energy right now and the go, go, go and having to take action, having to go do this and having to go do that instead of recovering is like drowning our society and drowning like a lot of like young men and women that constantly just have to go like, you know, do the grind. Um, but recovery is where performance really comes from. And I don't think a lot of people lean into that to take days off or just to like go half a freaking yoga class and then like just be present or like even like stupid things like going to like a movie just to like relax and recover. Like I feel like we're just so drowning and like, oh, if I'm like taking a break, then I'm doing something wrong. Totally. Um, I think there's so many layers to that. One is like, we do live in a society and a culture, at least in the U.S., and I think in most Western cultures where busyness is like a badge of honor. Right. Um, and it's actually not if you're, if you're, especially if like your health is at risk. But it, as long as we're surrounded by people who honor that, you know, we tend to honor the same thing unless we're like aware and we choose our own path and what we value personally. Um, as well, I want to say that you know, I was actually just speaking to a client about this where it's like, yeah, he'll like take time to relax, but then he'll be sitting there in like self-judgment about relaxing because he's not doing enough. Right. So it's not even like, you know, people like they'll go to yoga, but then they'll go to yoga, not with the intention of self-awareness. A lot of people go to yoga in the West, one with the intention of a workout or two with the intention of like, if they have a practice, they're like, let me show off my practice to you, which is very ego driven and it's not the purpose of yoga the purpose of yoga is to reconnect to your breath and become self-aware um so they can go or they rest they're resting and they're watching a movie but their mind is running or you know there's you know they're chilling at home that they're judging themselves for it like that's actually not the practice of rest and it's really subtle because it's all an internal process it's not just the action it's not just like what you say and what you do but it's actually like how you think and how you feel and that is really what, you know, I don't want to say defines because it's, it's always evolving, but it's, you know, that's really what just like differentiates, like that's what creates your experience and how you experience your life, how we feel and how we think, not as much of like what we do and what we say, because that's just external and it's, it's completely disregarding your soul. Yeah, which is pretty important for those of you that don't know where that is or what that is. Um, yeah, <laughs> like so disconnected, and like you said exactly what I was thinking. It's like seriously, like you hear people are like, "What do you do for a living?" Like I work eighty hours a week, and they're like, "No, no, no, what do you do for a living?" Like I work eighty hours a week. Like that's not the point of it. Like, bro, uh, why don't you like take a chill pill and just go like relax? Like, and I and I think um like our generation, if I can like put our generation in quotation marks, like this newer generation that's kind of coming up is so much into the like the 
uh, I'm going to work like 15, 20 hours this week. And realistically, I'm going to get the same amount of work done, if not more than, you know, what my parents did on a 50 and 60 hour work week, because we know how to do it better. And like, now I can actually go enjoy the money that I'm making or go enjoy life or go enjoy the soul or go enjoy and relax like those types of things. Like that's an interesting dynamic that's like starting to come up. And I know it's getting like resistance from like, you know, um, my parents were like definitely one of those that was like, go work the nine to five and then come home. And now it's like, well, yeah, I don't really want to do that. So I'm going to not do that. And then there's like that resistance and they're like, Nope, that's, that's just what we do. We work that nine to five. It's like, ah, there's, a different way actually like why don't we just change right we can change <laughs> learning to yeah learn to that is that's a whole different ball of wax probably a conversation from a different day but there is something that I do want to go back to that you totally crushed and I totally forgot to ask you um, that is like hyper functional to people it's learning to connect to that internal energy um, and then using that and like using the internal energy that we have, whether it be like meridians or um, whatever philosophy or whatever religion, whatever you want to call it or ever you want to follow, but using that to both heal the body as one, use it for intuition. But what you got really good at is using it to connect to the external world and get things that you want and manifest and things like that. Talk to me down that rabbit hole for a bit. And I know it's a deep hole, but um, what do you think about all that? Like, how can people get started in that journey? Yeah, I mean, it's real. It's totally real. But I will, there's so much to say on this. And I want to say it in a way that is super clear. Because I know there's a lot of stuff out there on manifestation and all this stuff. One, it's, it's a direct connection. I mean, if you visualize what you want, you imagine yourself having it. And then you also have, you have to, to tune your energy into it. Like, you have to put your emotion into it. Um, and the emotion needs to align with the emotion that you would like to be feeling in said visualization um, that you imagine the feeling. Um, and, you know, that's why our fears, if we're imagining something that we, like, really don't want, and we're putting all of our energy into, like, oh, my God, I really don't want this to happen. <laughs> right. Probably going to create that to happen, you yeah, know. But, straight train. Yeah, and then if you do the opposite with your dreams, you can create that as well. And it, But there's layers to it, like, one layer of it is like, I mean, you can do it superficially and it will work as long as like you are energetically connected to it. But the deeper you go on this journey, like the more you'll start to find what, when I say your soul, I know that's like such a, like, there's so many meanings to that and so many different people. But when I mean our soul, it's like, what are like, what our heart's truest desire is, which may not be the same thing as our mind. Like I'll give you an example my mind, because my heart's truest desire growing up was to be a performer, to be an artist, to be an actor. And at that time, when I was learning about all of this, like, I really was creating that because my heart's desire was to be an actor. Like, it was so in alignment. And over the past few years, I've really had to do some soul searching and be like, is this still really what I want? And it's like getting to a point where being like, it's okay not to want the same thing I did before. But I was able a couple of years ago, for example, to like, get all the work I was getting and get SAG and do all these things. And like, a, I got SAG, which is the actor union in a week, which most people take some years to get. Um, and I did that for energy work, but through this kind of practices. And although I was able to do it superficially, something deeper was like, this is an it, right? Mm. And so when we, when we talk about Dharma and yoga, our Dharma is our purpose. It's what our deepest soul like our heart's desires to do and it's what's really here for us 
Um, and although acting and theater was a big part of my journey and probably always will be, the deeper desire now is using this in the form of like art therapy, expressive art therapy, because this is really what my soul is asking me to do now. And so our Dharma is about honoring our intuition, what it's asking us to do, the instructions it's giving us and accepting it and doing it, even if it isn't according to our plan for our life. You know, it's like getting out of our own way of our plan. Like my plan is to be an actor and, and, really accepting that and forgiving that and opening up space for what is coming through now so that I, because I did do that and now what's coming through is a whole different journey and a whole different adventure. And if I don't accept that, then I'm kind of just like stuck. And so a lot of manifestation is like honoring what your heart is truly connected to um, because you can do it on the level of the mind, but it won't really last. But when we do it on the level of the heart, it's something that kind of turns into a mission, which is lifelong, and it's not, you know, it's not really, like, defined by short-term goals. It's not defined by, oh, I got this movie, I got this TV show. Like, it's defined by a much deeper meaning and purpose that you have created for your life that really, really resonates with you. Um, and manifestation on that level, all the short-term things that come with it are, like, they're temporary, and it, what we're really connecting to is that deeper mission. Um, and from there, you can manifest everything you need to, to really help that mission happen. Yeah. Wow. That, that's just so, it's so simply said um, because like you said, there's so much stuff out there about like, do this or do that, or like, you know, law of attraction and like quantum mechanics and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it really is just, they're, they're very subtly said as like stepping stones to trying to achieve bigger vision of, you know, what that heart purpose is and like having a mindset is totally different than having a heart set, which is going to connect to bigger picture things. And instead of, you know, diving into immediate action, immediate action, like cultivating energy instead of just trying to expel it. Like it's, it's that old phrase, you know, if you want to serve for other people, you need to first fill up your own cup. Manifesting in a way is very much, you know, filling up yourself and then, you know, getting the goods delivered right to your doorfront from the universe because it will always deliver, which is super fascinating that um, the way you said, I just have never heard it said like that. So thank you for that. Totally. And just to like respond to what you said, like, um, there is exactly that. Like it's something that is so much bigger than us. So when we're on our mission, it has nothing to do with us. It has to do with humanity. It has to do with, you know, the environment, it has to do with the earth. It has to do with the galaxies. It has to do with whatever your mission is, but it doesn't have to do with you. And the more, and that's like really hard for those of us who are in survival who are like, well, I'm just trying to pay rent, which like I get to, but when we connect to something that is like, wait, that's not what this life is about. It's not, like, I'm not here on this planet so I can try to pay rent. You know what I mean? Like, that just can't be why I'm here. Right. And when we connect to, like, why we are here and we're like, wait, what do I love? Like, what will really be in service to others, whether it's to other people, whether it's to the earth, whether it's to animals, like, to all of it, what is really going to help make this world a better place? Because that's why we're here. We're here to continuously improve and evolve and grow and help others do the same. 
Um, and when we recognize that we have an impact in that, and all the time, whether you're trying to pay rent or whether you're really connected to your mission, you have an impact. And so, that, like, at least if we stick to something that's much bigger than us, I promise you, like, manifestation will only expand. Like, I'll even give an example because I think, especially as an artist, a lot of people can think that's, like, quite a selfish thing. Like, that doesn't serve. But um, that's what at least some people that I've received in the past. But when I was acting, I knew that being on stage gave people about two hours of their life that they could get out of their heads, they could get out of their misery, and they could join this world of imagination. And if they could join a world of imagination, not only does it calm their nervous system, they're part of something bigger than them, they're in an audience. You know, they're interacting with humanity. And above that, they're, they're experiencing inspiration. They get to be inspired by others in front of them. And they get to access their own imagination. Because honestly, frankly, like your imagination is what's going to create your reality. Mm. And it's what's going to create your experience. And so if you can access that through the arts, artists are servants to society to humanity if you can access that through sports through community through business business is a creative act through politics that's service you know when we get to the heart of everything every topic anything you could possibly do on this planet when you get to the heart of it they're all acts of service helping to inspire and to create a better life but there's a shadow side to all of them too and there's a darkness there's a, there's the greed there's the selfishness there's you know, there's a lot of other things that can come up with it as well. And it's about um, learning to, like, notice those thoughts when they arise and shift that and recenter yourself on the heart. How can people start to connect to that bigger purpose? Um, because we talk a lot about that, um, both in this conversation, but we talk a lot about it on the show in general, about having purpose and, like, connecting to that and, you know, uh, don't try to make, you know, copies of me, like don't try to be a version of Chris or don't try to be another version of Lexi. Like I am me, you are you, you need to go find who you are and why you are. How can people start to do that? Cause that's like, that's a task. Yeah. I mean, I'm so passionate about this. You can talk about it forever. That's heavy. Um, I would say a few things like, because there's a couple different layers of that question. Like one is like, how do we connect to a bigger purpose? I mean, you can start superficially, you can start intellectually, which is like, okay, what does the world need and how can I serve there and just be in service in that way. Um, if you want to go on a more of a spiritual path and find your, you know, quote unquote, unique purpose, I mean, one way to really take the heaviness off is I just want to remind you and everyone else that the purpose is just to be alive. There's nothing else we actually really have to do. The world does not need your help. And you don't need to do anything. Like the purpose is to be alive and, and that's it. And just to experience life. That's why we're here. So just to like end any kind of drama around that. But to reconnect to a mission that is bigger than us. You know, there's you can find what you're interested in, if it's the environment, if it's plants or animals or whatever. Um, I've definitely been connected to different organizations on different missions throughout my life and have made choices to adhere to that while still finding, while still following my desire and following where that desire is taking me. Um, as well, I would say, connecting to something much bigger than us, it's about meditation. It's about getting it out of our own way. Because the more we can connect to ourselves as a person in our presence, the more we see that, like, it's just not really about us personally. We need to heal those, those wounds that we have within so that we can really not be bothered by things that in the past would have really hurt us because they're triggered, they're hitting, you know, a wound on us. It's like, 
we have a bandaid over it, but somebody punches us in our cut. It's like, ow, that hurt. And so well, it's definitely meditation and self-healing. Um, and then when you're talking about like, you know, finding who you are and getting to know, like, you know, not be Chris, not be Lexi, but be who you are. First thing that comes to mind for me is always, and probably will always be is your creativity because at the end of the day, we're all humans, but what makes us slightly unique and us makes us feel like we are separate is that is the aspect of creativity. It's the aspect of being unique and that separation can be seen as a negative thing where like, oh, I'm isolated and I'm excluded. And for most of, I think for all of us, we, we've had those experiences. Um, and then also we can see the light side of that, which is we're all human. We have way more in common than we have different really like anywhere in the world, but it's our uniqueness. It's our own creative expression that shows up that my creative expression shows up as Alexi. I have my hair like this. I look like this. My body's like this. My eyes like this. My brain's like this. And my heart's like this. And that is unique. There's going to be no other human like that. And yet we're all the same. And so tapping into creative acts like cooking or even, you know, how you dress, like, you know, dress in a way, it's not about style and what's popular. It's like, what makes you feel good? What do you like? Tapping into that inner child that already knew, actually, before all this final conditioning came is going to help you remember who you are. Oh, that's so beautiful. And you like... (laughs) That's like one of my favorite things that you like hit on real quick is like <laughs> meditation to get the fuck out of the way. Like, you know what you need to do. Like, you just need to get out of your own way because you're the only person that's going to distract. You're the only person that's going to stop you. Like, let your inner like symphony play through and then follow the notes because it knows where to go. You just need to freaking listen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, your intuition, your spirit, your being your person is one way I like to really talk about it. It's like all people, right? We've been given this this human body, we've been given these emotions, this, this whole emotional experience, the mind experience, all of it. Your person is there for you to love. And it actually already even beyond that, it already does love itself. There's no way not to because that's what you are. That's what it is. And the only way you don't is because of traumatic experiences in the past that have not been properly integrated. And those traumatic experiences can range from like really, you know, really, really intense ones that like rape or physical abuse or things that are like very, very, we can all do like very intense and can also go down to like, you know, just not feeling heard or seen, you know, people don't listen to you or like certain relationship dynamics. And so, there's layers to what trauma means to different people, um, but event, essentially it's always just an event that was emotionally overwhelming and integrated into your system, and therefore you then kind of react from that space when it's not properly integrated. And that's where, like, the lack of self-love really is. Oh, however, love, yeah. Yeah, however, um, wait, there was something else I was going to say that was... Uh, what you were saying about meditation getting out of your own way. Um, oh man, I, I lost it. Maybe that's what needed to come through. Self-love. Yeah. <laughs> what I want you to talk about really quick um, is that self-love. Like it, I think uh, for people that are like in their like twenties and thirties that are like, you know, not doing like the typical, they're not doing the expected, I guess um, that like, 
time of confusion is like such a beautiful period of time to like find yourself, but there's this big cloud around it that it's like, all right, well, if you're not doing this, like you must not be worthy. So we like begin to judge ourselves and then we start to criticize and then we start to go down this negative hole of like, I'm not good enough or I am not enough. And then we start to affirm that to ourselves. How can people start to break that cycle? Cause it's freaking nasty. Like when you start to go down there, like you're digging a hole, like with a backhoe instead of a shovel, like it's easy to go down that spiral. And then it's, challenging i would say not impossible um to dig yourself back up totally totally um and i've been down that spiral too so i do get it and i've also dug myself out of it more than once um i would say meditation i know a lot of people are resistant to it but i can't i can't stress that enough like we need to be the generation that just makes meditation like you like you know you're raising your kids and you brush your teeth like did you eat breakfast? Like, did you meditate? Did you shower? Like, this is just, like, it really can't, it can't be another way. Like, your mental health needs to be as valuable to you as everything else. And meditation is the the most tried and true way to, like, to keeping your mental health. Um, there's several types of meditation. You could do Qigong. You could do Tai Chi. You could do, like, martial arts. You could do yoga. However, um, you know, really does require leadership that that is evolved to really use it in a way that is meditative and you're teaching about life and not just exercise. Um, and as well, I would say, again, creativity, you know, like it's easy, easy to get stuck in those negative patterns. And I will, oh, and then the main thing I would always say is support, like community. It's like we are, like you said, we are tribal beings, and so much in our modern in our modern society, we are living in our boxes in our rooms, and we're living in our boxes in our cubicles, and we don't talk to anybody. And like it's just like this is not what we're meant to be here for. And um, I think more and more that's changing, but at least in like you know some of the communities that I've been a part of. But and you know with social media, like use it as a way to build community use it as a way to like meet people and to connect and to build trust with other people because not just being around other people but being with people that you can trust you know start sharing sharing your experience like hi because there's like you know i think it's that judgment comes a lot from comparison we see other people we don't know what we're doing so we start to look to others but we're like wait we don't really want to do what they're doing but then they'll like be on instagram and have this whole look curated thing on Instagram or they will speak about their life in such a way that's like, oh, like, why aren't I? Like, you know, even maybe this interview, people are like, man, like she's got it all sorted and I don't it's like, dude, no way. Like, oh my God, like I've been through so much shit and I'm still healing and I'm still growing and I'm still finding like I am one of these people who's in her twenties who's, you know, not doing things the way I was supposed to and been like, fuck, what am I doing? How do I make my career out of this? Like and I've been just slowly listening just quieting down you know finding the others finding my community and you know listening to the instructions that are given to me because mm. they're always with you they're not like the instructions for me to do art therapy have been with me for six years you know I haven't done it <laughs> but it's like it's told me for six years I've known that right. and the truth is every single one of us knows our past 
you know it. You might be ignoring it. You might be judging it. You might be criticizing it, but you know it. So, like, it's just a path of meditation to clean out all the garbage in the mind and community and support so that we can feel like now, like, we can trust others and therefore we can trust ourselves. Oof. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. So as we start to wrap up here, before we go down the next hole, if there was one piece of advice that you could give our listeners that they could use today to make a better tomorrow for themselves, what would that be? Oh, that's a good one to make a better tomorrow. I mean, I, my question is like, well, if it's today, today and then tomorrow, and are they going to continue practicing it? Because frankly, to make a better tomorrow and a better tomorrow and a better tomorrow, you know, time is the most consistently persistent illusion. It's, there's no today or tomorrow, right? What's going to really change your life is changing your habits and how you're showing up. And it's not just today and it's not just tomorrow. It's a lifestyle. Um, And I will say meditation and support because this is what will help you build self-trust and self-intimacy. Not just, you know, like there's a lot of meditation apps. There's a lot of things out there that help people and that's great. And if that works for you, that's great. I, I do think there needs to be more education and support system. Um, but when you do fall off, that uh, you get back on, and because it's hard to make these changes, our system wants to remain in homeostasis, but like homeostasis balance, like it's our comfort zone, but it may not be actually safe. And so, um, but often we go back to what's familiar, even when it's not safe, because we that's what's familiar, that's what we think is home, but it's there's actually a home for every single one of us and it's it's within you mm. and it's an abundance of love and acceptance and self-trust and but it takes work it takes like perseverance to move through the resistance that inevitably arises when we start to make real deep changes in our lives oh so beautifully said lexi if people want to find some more information or if they want to connect with you where can they do that yeah um, revamping my website, but they can head over to it now and it's the inside world.org. Um, Instagram is a great place to say hi. And that's the period inside period world. Um, or you can type in Lexi's face and you'll see the inside world come up probably. And yeah, or if you're in the New York City area, you know, I teach at some studios here. I'm planning retreats for next spring. And um, and I do, like, online mentorship with art therapy, Korea, meditation, and, and, you know, especially the support system and creating community around this um, for people who are living anywhere in the world. So they can ask, you know, they can reach out on my email, which is my website, directly at theinsideworld.org or um, on Instagram. Beautiful. I love it. And guys, as always, those links are in the bio. Lexi, thank you so much for just sharing your story. And guys, if you found value in this, please share this with a friend. And don't forget to like and review this. Lexi, I can't wait to have you on again soon. I'll talk to you. All right. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely.